sun is a floodlight There's no place to hide It's just another day She spied me a keeper Made fun of my voice Nailed to the altar You should be famous And welcome back to 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. Joining me as always is John Paulson. What's up, John? How you doing? Not bad. Uh, the Bucks are the NBA champions. I wasn't sure I would ever say that in my lifetime, but that's pretty exciting. I was a longtime fan. I've kind of moved over to the Warriors over, over the last, I don't know, eight, ten years. But really happy for my home state. and my I grew up in the suburb of suburbs of Milwaukee, so I know how happy everybody is there. And really fantastic uh, job for that uh, franchise. I'm just kind of elated today with that with that whole win last night. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for Giannis too. I mean, he he yeah. has come so far and he's always been a great player, but it seems like he's really taken that that next step from a leadership standpoint. As you mentioned, it's what 1971, I think was the last time they won an NBA championship. So, yeah, 50 yeah, something very, 50 years. Very cool for them. Absolutely. And it didn't start off well. I mean, the Suns had the 2-0 lead and they they looked they looked like kind of an unstoppable force there with their depth. But, yeah, good good for the Bucs, good for the city of Milwaukee, so congratulations to them. John, tell us about the music, and then we'll dive into today's pod. Yeah, this is uh, a, an interesting uh, artist, William the Conqueror, and I don't know if this is going to be for everybody because um, the, the vocals are a little odd, but I, I, like, I like Cake, too, and Cake's got some odd vocals with John McRae. Uh, but this track is called Wake Up. It's from uh, the 2021 uh, album William the Conqueror on the album is uh, Maverick Thinker and uh, I put it on the uh, Most Accurate Podcast playlist and you can find a, a link to that in the show notes. All right, today we're going to be tackling our part two of our four-part series and we do a deep dive into the running back position. If you ha- if you didn't hear last week's conversation, John and I dove into quarterback, so make sure that you go back through and, and listen to that one because that was a deep dive at the quarterback position today, running backs. But first, we have partnered with Underdog Fantasy to offer a free 4 for 4 Pro subscription. It's a $59 value just for depositing $10 at Underdog as a new user. Not only that, but Underdog is also going to give you a $25 bonus in your account. And our partners at FFPC will give you a $35 credit for one of their leagues. So if you're a new FFPC user, make sure you take advantage of that as well. Returning FFPC users will get a $10 credit. It's important, though, that you use the code 4 for 4 That's the number 4, F-O-R, number 4, and that's all caps on that, to claim that free subscription. You can check out all the details at bit.ly slash 4 for deal that's all caps on that as well. So 4 for 4 deal is all in caps. Or you could just check out John's Twitter page, at 4 for 4 underscore John. He's got a pinned tweet there as well. We've never had an offer like this. We're, we're hoping that a lot of our users, a lot of our, our listeners can take advantage of that because uh, it is a tremendous deal. We don't want to just give away all of John's rankings on this podcast. So what I thought we'd do is go through Underdog's ADP for the running back position and then discuss the tiers that seem to be forming within the position. And, John, it seems like the top four are pretty set. You've got Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, and Alvin Kamara. 
Remember, underdog is half PPR, so it's relative to PPR. Henry, let's talk with him. Let's talk about him. Henry is going to get a bump while Kamara might be downgraded a bit. Any thoughts on this group? Yeah, this has been settling in. I think the top two are pretty set with McCaffrey and Cook, and that makes sense given uh, what Cook did last year. Um, I feel like Henry sometimes slips into the late first round. Uh, I think people are concerned about his workload. Uh, maybe if he's going to start breaking down, he doesn't catch a lot of passes, and that sort of lowers his weekly floor. If he has a, a game where he doesn't score a touchdown and maybe only has 60 yards rushing or something, and then he's going not, he's not even going to reach 10 fantasy points for you, and that can be a problem. But then he has those 35, 40-point games when he's rumbling for 280 yards and scoring three touchdowns. I have no problem with Henry uh, at three. Uh, I would actually take him ahead of Kamara, even in, even in PPR, uh, due to the... Um, the change of quarterback uh, for the Saints, I don't. I think maybe that's overplayed a little bit, but the return of, of Michael Thomas, a healthy Michael Thomas, is an issue for Kamara because he had his blow-up uh, production with Thomas hobbled or out of the game altogether. Uh, he averaged 27.3 fantasy points per game in the eight games that Thomas missed over the past two seasons compared to just 15.5 uh in the 21 games that Thomas played. And it's like a 43% drop in production with Thomas. And, you know, the resulting, uh, you know, 14.9 points per game without Breeze and the 15.5 points per game with Thomas, they're still top 10 production, uh, but they're not like overall number one running back type production. So I think Kamara is more of a middle first round uh, pick for me uh, this year especially with the change of quarterback. I think that is a an issue, especially if it's Taysom Hill. Um, I don't know if he's going to see as many targets or rushing touchdowns with Taysom Hill at quarterback. So I, don't, I just don't feel like he's a, a shoe-in for top five numbers. Like, you know, perhaps he should have been treated last year, you know, coming off that back shot that he had. And, you know, uh, I think there was some concern about his contract heading into last year, but he smashed those, those numbers. I think things have changed a little bit for Kamara with, with Michael Thomas back. Next up are Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, and Jonathan Taylor at RB5 through RB7. Elliott struggled with injuries last year. Barkley tore his ACL, and then Taylor had a, had a very good rookie season. What are your thoughts on this trio? Yeah, I, I, I'm expecting a bounce-back season from Elliott. He's still fairly young. Uh, his injuries affected his production, but it was also the fact that Dak Prescott was out. Uh, you know, you've got Andy Dalton leading that offense. It just took a lot of the wind out of the Cowboys' sails in terms of offensive production. I mean, he was the number four running back through the first four weeks with Dak Prescott under center. And in the 21 games uh, with a healthy Prescott uh, over the last two seasons, Elliott has 18.3 fantasy points per game and half PPR. And that would have been the fifth highest production at his position last year. So I'm feeling pretty good about Elliott, you know, in the top five or six at the running back position. As for Barkley, um, I'm a little uh, thrown off by these comments about you know him perhaps not being ready for camp and not even committing to being ready for week one. Uh, the offensive line for the Giants is also pretty bad. Uh, so where he's going here in this RB6, RB5, RB7 range, um, I'm not getting any shares of him at that point. I'm going to take Elliott over him. I'm going to take Taylor over him and uh, probably Travis Kelsey in the middle of the first round as well. Um, 
I, it would be a while before I would be drafting Barkley. Uh, and maybe this is a situation where I'm overreacting to this injury information, but anytime I'm getting negative injury information in the summer when everything is uniformly positive for the most part, I, I pay attention. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe he's going to be fine and he'll be out there week one, but there's enough concern with the offensive line as well that maybe he's not going to be, you know, have number one running back type upside, which is what you're hoping for from this range. Uh, and then Taylor obviously had a really good rookie season. I was looking at Naheem Hines and his role uh, late last season, and I think there's this, like, consensus or this uh, narrative that Taylor took over, but Hines was still very involved, and his snap share actually increased over the last seven or eight games last year. And I don't think he's necessarily going away because he is really effective as a receiver. So I don't think Taylor is going to see that like mega workload that you're kind of hoping for uh, out of your RB1 that you're drafting in the first half of the first round where maybe they're getting 20-plus, 22-plus touches per game. Um, He might, and this is a good offensive line, good offensive system. So you know, I think Taylor's a pretty safe pick in the middle of the first round, but I don't know that he has... Uh, number one overall running back upside with with Hines still uh, in the mix playing 30 40 percent of the snaps RB8 through RB13 that consists of Austin Eckler Cam Akers who we know was injured yesterday toward the Achilles Nick Chubb Antonio Gibson Joe Mixon and Aaron Jones obviously this is a good time like I just mentioned to kind of discuss Akers torn Achilles and how that's going to affect your rankings John do you see Darrell Henderson as a as a back who can slide into the Rams RB1 role and if so where would you target him on draft day yeah I thought about this quite a bit yesterday as the news broke I was pouring a pouring a shout out for Akers, who I drafted uh, at 401 in my Scott Fishbowl. So I got to already have a, I already have an injury to deal with last year. I had McCaffrey go down and, and now it's uh, Akers. So uh, Henderson, there's a range of outcomes here with them because if the Rams do not sign a veteran, uh, I guess Gurley is a non-starter the last I saw there, but if they sign like a Le'Veon Bell um, maybe an Adrian Peterson, then you know maybe Henderson's upside isn't going to be there because they're, those players are going to take you know 150, 200 touches away from him. But if they stand pat and they're going in, you know, with these backups that they have that are seventh round picks or undrafted free agents that really don't have even have a touch in the NFL, um, then I think his ceiling is a little bit higher than where he's probably going to be drafted, and I think that's going to be you know third, fourth round. He might have. RB1 type upside. He was the lead back from week two to week seven. He had, uh, in that span, he had uh, 86 total yards, 4.84 yards per carry, 0.67 touchdowns per game on 15.5 touches per game. And that was with Malcolm Brown playing 20, 30, 40% of the snaps. Uh, Akers was available for a few of those games, not all of them. But those are RB1 numbers right there, fantasy wise. And I think that's sort of his best case scenario. And maybe even a little bit better because, you know, he was playing less than 50% of the snaps, you know, with Akers and primarily Brown, but Akers and Brown both available. And I wonder if how much he'll come off the field if the backups remain who they are going to be right now. And um, so I I have him at RB18 and half PPR, but I think baked into that is the, the chance that they add a veteran that's going to kind of submarine his value a little bit. But he was actually... Really good um, last year when he, and I was kind of surprised that he lost the job to Akers, but 
Um, he was also really good in pass protection. Um, number three overall at his position last year in uh, PFF uh, pass protection grade. Uh, so he could be a three-down back, and he's actually a good receiver too. They don't throw the ball to the running backs too much there, but if they expand that at all, he could be a three-down back and catch 40, 50 passes. So there's some upside there with Henderson. I think there's questions about his ability to remain healthy. Um, but with his you know, fitting into this group, I don't think so. I think he would be at the bottom of this um, you know, group coming after after this group is off the board. Um, but I, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about Henderson heading into uh, the season, especially with the you know the comments yesterday that the the Rams aren't looking at it to adding a, a veteran back right now. John, this is the group that tends to go around the the half turn from pick 11 to pick 18. Do you have a preferred order here, or is there anyone who stands out as a value from this group? I think you look at Aaron Jones and you're wondering why is he going in the middle of the second round. I mean, the same thing happened last year, and he turned in a top five season. He was RB2 the year before. Uh, I think what's going on here is probably the Aaron Rodgers effect, and uh, owners are you know, worried that Jones will take a hit if Jordan Love is under center, and I think that's probably the case. And if, if, if Jordan Love is the quarterback, then this is probably where Jones – would go maybe even a little bit later after Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or maybe a DeAndre Swift or a Najee Harris. Um, but, you know, the signs seem to point to Rodgers returning. Uh, I know there was a report yesterday, Schefter rehashed uh, a contract uh, uh, that was offered Rodgers earlier this summer and he turned it down to that would you know tie him to the team for five years but it wasn't really new news and it happened a couple months ago so things may have changed so you know i think rogers will end up playing for the 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 packers this year and jones should be going you know five or six spots earlier in his positional adp Najee Harris and Clyde Edwards-Alaire are going RB14 and RB15 in the mid to late second round could they be included in that aforementioned group that you just mentioned I think so. And Harris, I think, should see the bulk of the, the touches for the Steelers. The Steelers' offensive line isn't great. Um, they weren't able, really able to run the ball very well last year. Uh, I would have them. Be- I, have, I would have these two below Mixon and Gibson. Uh, I think Edward Solaire has some upside there, given the fact that Le'Veon Bell was eating into his workload last year, um, and he, you know, the offense that he's in uh, is so efficient and highly productive that he's got some upside there as well so I, th- I think you, you can look at the second round running backs as a whole and see why these two are, are with that group I, th- I think they're certainly ahead of the next group of, of running backs the next tier seems to start in the late round with DeAndre Swift J.K. Dobbins Chris Carson David Montgomery and Miles Sanders that's the RB16 to RB20 group what do you make of this group and is this where Henderson might fall yeah, I think Henderson will end up going in this group because he's going to have some risk to him. And I think that you're looking at Swift. There's some risk there in terms of touches and the, just the overall effectiveness of the offense. Uh, Dobbins, you wonder about his upside in terms of touches, uh, lack of uh, use in the in the passing game. Um, Chris Carson is in this group, and I think he should be going two or three spots higher ADP-wise, you know, positionally ADP-wise, because he's just been so productive when he's been healthy. But Carson is always... He's one of these guys that always gets uh, underdrafted and tends to overproduce. Uh, David Montgomery is interesting because he was top five fantasy back last year uh, and is going as a you know middle of the road RB two and you know everybody's wor- worried about Tariq Cohen. 
um, being healthy and eating into his passing uh, snaps, and that makes some sense. But Montgomery was actually more efficient as a receiver than Cohen, and Cohen apparently is not 100% back from his injury. So, you know, Montgomery might be a value here as well. And if you're adding Justin Fields to the mix as a running quarterback, that might help Montgomery's uh, efficiency in terms of uh, yards per carry and all that. Um, as for Miles Sanders, I do not have any shares of him. I just feel like this is too high uh, given the, the, the likelihood of a committee uh, in, in Philly. And I think he's fairly talented and can produce, but it, it hasn't been a consistent uh, level of touches for Sanders uh, in recent years. And it just seems like that's going to be the, the, the rule there for, for him in Philly. In this fifth, sixth round, we have the next ADP tier. That's Josh Jacobs, Mike Davis, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, Miles Gaskin, and Kareem Hunt. That's the RB21 to RB26 range. Any targets or avoids in this group? Who do you like? Who do you you think that you're going to avoid and not have many shares of come draft night? Yeah, it's funny to see these tiers shaking out at at underdog, and I'm just looking at it, and I'm I'm not going to get any Josh Jacobs uh, due to the Kenyon Drake addition there, the – they traded away three starters off of their, or let them walk, uh, three starters off their offensive line, so I'm concerned about that. Uh, they want to use Drake as a receiver, so any upside in receiving for Jacobs is not there. Uh, so he scares me. Uh, Travis Etienne, we have no idea what sort of role he's going to have. Uh, you know, they used a first-round draft pick on him, but the beat writers are expecting that James Robinson's going to lead the backfield in uh carries and in snaps so what sort of role does that leave etn is he just a primarily a pass catcher and he's maybe getting 100 carries or something i'm not sure that that would support his being drafted you know in the fifth round um javante williams big questions about his workload as well the beat writer uh one of the beat writers there at different posts said that predicted that he would be the number one running back as soon as week one and they don't you know you don't trade up to draft a williams player if you're gonna have him sit on the bench behind uh, Melvin Gordon. My problem with that is that Melvin Gordon's getting paid a lot of money and was productive last year. He's a good player for them last year, and he's a versatile player who can catch the ball as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's a committee uh, and with them bringing Javante Williams on slowly, uh, which kind of undercuts this sort of draft capital being spent on him. Uh, and then Miles Gaskin, who I like, and Kareem Hunt, who I like at this level. I think Miles Gaskin was one of the big winners of the offseason with the with the Dolphins largely ignoring the running back position all offseason and he was uh, pretty good from a fantasy perspective and was given uh you know workhorse type touches when he was healthy I think you know the one concern with him is that he wasn't uh you know doesn't have a lot of draft capital behind him but you know he was dinged up quite a bit last year so can he hold up and that's probably why they brought in Malcolm Brown is to to take some of those carries off of him. And, and Gaskin was actually better as a receiver than as a runner, and he was really good as a receiver. So that that helps fantasy-wise because those receptions are, are so important. And then for Kareem, Kareem Hunt, like I got him RB25 in the charity league that I'm in, and in the fifth round I was very happy to get him there. I, I think, yes, you have a ceiling in place when Nick Chubb is healthy, uh, but – you know, Hunt gives you RB2 numbers when he plays. I mean, he's he was actually a little bit better um, product, production-wise with, with Chubb in the lineup than he was without. Uh, his touches did fall, but his touchdowns went up, so he made up for it. But then you have 
on the chance of a chub injury, you have a, you know, a top 10, top 12 type back with Kareem Hunt behind that great offensive line in, in Cleveland. So um, I, I will I will take him as my RB2 or RB3 there in the fifth round. John, at this point in the draft, we're getting to players with uncertain workloads, murky backfields, and then, of course, your RBBC situation. It starts with Trey Sermon and Chase Edmonds in the seventh round, Damian Harris, Raheem Mostert, James Robinson, and Michael Carter in the eighth. Both San Francisco running backs are here, along with running backs for Arizona, New England, Jacksonville, and the New York Jets. What are your thoughts on on this group? Yeah, this is where you're trying to sort out how the touches are going to be divvied up in these backfields, and nobody knows for sure other than maybe the coaches there, and maybe they don't even know for sure. But um, I think with the San Francisco, it's it, that's like the prize here if you can you know nail the the running back situation in the uh, in San Francisco. This is would be a great fantasy boon for you. Um, I I just look at what Raheem Mostert has done. When the start, when he's been healthy and has been the starter this year, and he's been so productive that I would be shocked if uh, Kyle Shanahan turns to Trey Sermon with a healthy Mostert there. Mostert is so fast; uh, he had the two, registered the two fastest ball carrier speeds last year per NFL Next Gen stats. Uh, Sermon just doesn't have that speed, um, so I, I would expect um, Mostert to continue to lead the way. Uh, when he is healthy, and I think that's the one caveat with him, and that you can argue you could take Sermon, is that Mostert gets dinged up and you know is unlikely to play a full season. So that that that's sort of where I'm at with the San Francisco backfield. But I would take Mostert ahead of Sermon at this point. Uh, Chase Edmonds is dealing with James Conner, and uh, last I saw uh, in terms of reports about this is that this is a, might be a competition in name only, and that Chase Edmonds will be the lead back in this backfield. So he's an, now an interesting pick in the seventh round, although you're kind of projecting with him and, and Connor is fully capable of playing that uh, Kenyon Drake role from last year and really eating into Edmonds and capping his upside. Uh, so there's some risk there. Um, Robinson, again, you know, the, 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 the Jacksonville Jaguars may go run heavy was the latest report I saw uh, to protect Trevor Lawrence in his rookie season. The uh, Urban Meyer and uh, the Daryl Bevel uh, all have experience with rookie I'm sorry, Daryl Bevel and the other uh, guy there that I'm forgetting his name, uh, OC'd the Jets um, when uh, Matt Sanchez was there. Uh, but they all went run heavy uh, with a rookie quarterback, so we might see the same thing this year. And that would boost James Robinson if he turns out to be the RB1 uh, there. And he was obviously great last year for them. Uh, and then More, uh, Brian, Brian Schottenheimer, by the way. Brian Schottenheimer. Oh, yeah. Schott- I should have remembered the Schottenheimer name. We established <laughs> the run with Schottenheimer. Um, and then. <laughs> We talked about Michael Carter. Uh, this is a kind of a weird deal. Uh, the, Carter was pigeonholed as a, and maybe you can speak to this, but Carter was pigeonholed as a pass catching back, but he actually averaged 80, 90 yards rushing uh, North Carolina, and that was with Javante Williams in the lineup. Uh, he, I think he's better as a runner than people are giving him credit for, and I think he could play three down back, and he's also you know, drawn uh, uh, a lot of positive buzz in camp. And then I think people are like, well, it's the Jets, so they suck. Well, it's it it's no longer Jet the Adam Gase Jets. I mean, we've got a new, lot sharper uh, coaching staff in there. Robert Sala and uh, Mike Lafleur, or is it? Yeah, Mike Lafleur. Matt's the coach for the Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, so this offense could take a big step forward, and there's really nowhere to go but up. So you got a new quarterback, you got a lot of new personnel, and if Carter is the starter, I mean, he's got Tevin Coleman to deal deal with, but. Kevin Coleman hasn't been good in a while, and he, 
you know, wasn't able to stay healthy as the lead back uh, for a period in San Francisco. So I think Carter is a nice uh, poker chip to have as your RB3, uh, you know, in the eighth, seventh, eighth round. Yeah, just speaking a little bit about Michael Carter. I mean, he was a versatile back for North Carolina, as you mentioned. He, he, you know, five. I think he's like five seven, two two o two. So, I don't know if he is an every down back, but he's certainly somebody that's capable of breaking tackles. He did that a lot at North Carolina, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule him out as a pass catcher either. So, just kind of my two thoughts on that, two cents on that. In the ninth and twelfth rounds, John, we have Ronald Jones of the Bucks. We got Zach Moss, James Connor, Tony Pollard. Leonard Fournette, who returns to the Buccaneers as well. A.J. Dillon, Melvin Gordon, Gus Edwards, Kenyon Drake, Latavius Murray, Naheem Hines, and Jamal Williams. All of these players to uh, all these players project John as part-time backs with significant injury upside. Yeah, and I would say this is where you're. You know, if you've drafted one running back early, call it hero RB strategy. Uh, if you're doing a zero RB strategy. And you need to be knocking some of these picks. Maybe I, when I take two running backs early, these are sometimes where I'm getting my third running back because I've got two pretty good players that I'm pretty confident in, and then I can draft some upside here. I mean, there's there's guys here that you can get excited about, uh, like a Tony Pollard. If anything were to happen to Ezekiel Elliott, he, he immediately comes becomes an RB one. Um, AJ Dillon, same thing. Aaron Jones goes down. AJ Dillon is suddenly an RB one. Gus Edwards. Uh, similar, if anything happens to Dobbins, you know, suddenly Gus Edwards, who is actually a really efficient uh, uh, runner, uh, would would really thrive in a in a in a big role there in, in a great running game in Baltimore. Uh, Latavius Murray, we saw what he did when uh, Kamara was out. He was like number one fantasy running back uh, in two games that he played. So there's that group that are really exciting, and then there's the the, the kind of the James Conner, the the Jamal Williams. Uh, you know, the Naheem Hines, who will give you some floor. You expect those players to play. Melvin Gordon gives you some floor if you're feeling a little shaky at your number one, number two running backs. Uh, but maybe they don't feel like they have the excitement, exciting upside that some of these other players have. But, I mean, I think Jamal Williams is going to end up – I think I have him ranked highest amongst this group uh, because I just think he's going to have a pretty big role for the for the Lions and, you know, eat up a lot of touches in that backfield. What do we do with David Johnson? He's going. He's going pick one thirty-seven in the twelfth round. I mean, this is this is a player that, I mean, the Texans gave up a lot for, as we know. And at one point, he was a guy that could be counted on as a as a pass catching back. But you know, what do you think from a fantasy perspective with David Johnson at this point in his career? Yeah, some of my uh, Scott Fishbowl league uh, referred to him as an oatmeal pick. So right. I've been using, I've been, I stole that and I've been using it. It just seems like it doesn't. I don't. You, know, you have to explain it really. It's just he's an oatmeal pick. Like you're just not excited about eating oatmeal in the morning, and you're not excited about taking David Johnson even in the twelfth round. Uh, he was the number nineteen fantasy back last year in half PPR. He only played twelve games. So think about that. And I think that's part of that is the the, the landscape last year at RB two. Um, his point per game average was number 15 and you can get them like RB whatever 45 um, so it looks like a value and it might be uh, you know if 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 they throw to him a little bit more uh, the same OC is there as last year so I wouldn't expect a big uptick you know they were four and 12 last year and didn't throw to him a ton so not expecting a huge uptick there but if he's getting 
14 to 16 touches per game, then he's going to end up returning value at this point in the draft. It's just nothing that you're excited about. It'd be a guy that you're plugging in during bye weeks and, and hoping that, you know, he finds the end zone or something, but this offense is going to be bad, a lot worse than last year with, you know, if Deshaun Watson is out, which it looks like he will be. And I think like I took him in, uh, in the later rounds in my, uh, charity league. And I had, I, I afterward, I, kind of regretted it i wish i had taken somebody with more upside um you know darrell henderson went after uh latavius murray aj Dillon all went after and those guys have more upside i think this year than johnson does if you were to if you're going to execute a zero rb strategy or even a hero rb strategy and that's drafting one stud running back early and then ignoring the position for several rounds before coming back around and, and getting some depth who would be your primary targets in the middle or late rounds I mean, I think you can approach it a couple ways. Uh, if you really want to go hardcore, you're waiting until like the 10th or 11th round to take your first running back. But if you're, you know, want to have somebody with some upside in the sixth or seventh round, you could go, you could draft like a Miles Gaskin or a Kareem Hunt in the sixth round, maybe a Chase Edmonds in the seventh round, or target Mostert uh, maybe in the seventh round, Robinson Carter in the seventh eighth area. And as your RB1, uh, or as your RB2, if you're doing the hero RB strategy, you can wait a while. You know, if you draft a stud running back and then want to wait until like the seventh round to draft your second running back, now you've you've drafted a receiver or a tight end in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. So you're pretty stacked at receiver, tight end, uh, or perhaps a quarterback in there. Um, if you want to look for value even later and you're starting to look at some of these RB2s that have upside, you have you know, Dylan in the 10th, Latavius Murray in the 11th or 12th. I think Latavius is the best value of this group. Uh, Gus Edwards, 10th, 11th, uh, Alexander Madison uh, in the 12th. He's got upside if Dalvin Cook goes down. Melvin Gordon has upside, 10th or 11th. He might end up leading that backfield in carries for another year, even as, you know, being far and away the second running back off the board in that backfield. Uh, Naheem Hines, I researched him yesterday. He still had a, you know, pretty significant role especially in PPR formats he's going in 11th or 12th and he saw his touches jump quite a bit in the one game that Taylor missed I think he had 18 touches in the game that uh, that Taylor missed uh, late last year and then Jamal Williams I mentioned him I think he's going to share that backfield with Swift and you, you wonder how many touchdowns they're going to score but um, Williams is versatile and can do everything uh, and they gave him a pretty sizable contract and then it you know, after these guys are off the board, you're starting to get down to the nitty gritty and you're just looking for some upside, you know, Chubba Hubbard, uh, for the Panthers, if anything were to happen to McCaffrey, knock on wood, uh, <laughs> he doesn't go down the second straight season. Um, Philip Lindsay has a little bit of upside. I think he's a good talented player could have some upside there for the, for the Texans, Malcolm Brown, um, likely backup for miles Gaskin, but could work his way into a 150 touch role. Uh, Giovanni Bernard is interesting. You know, does he turn into this? You know, the new James White for uh, Tom Brady. Uh, you know, technically Tevin Coleman is a starter right now for the Jets, and if he stays healthy, maybe he holds off Michael Carter. Uh, Samaj P. Ryan uh, is the backup for Mixon, who has missed some games over the uh, last couple of years. Darrington Evans likely backup for uh, Derrick Henry. Uh, another one that really flies under the radar is Devonta Booker. I think he's probably the backup for. Saquon Barkley and he's you know Barkley we've talked about his his injury situation his knee and you know Booker might end up with some starts there for the Giants and then another one uh going very late is Jarek McKinnon everybody's kind of forgotten about him but he signed with the with the Chiefs and he's certainly more like 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire than uh, uh, Daryl Williams is. Uh, so McKinnon could step into that role. He's obviously better as a receiver than as a runner, but if anything were to happen to Edwards Hilaire, McKinnon might see a pretty sizable uh, receiving role. All right, great stuff as always, John. That wraps up this week. Don't forget to take advantage of that promo with Underdog. Lock in your pro subscription at 4 for 4 You can always upgrade to the DFS or betting subscription later if you're so inclined to do so. Once again, that link is bit.ly slash 4 for 4 deal and that back half of that link, 4 for 4 deal is all in caps. You can check out all the details there. We'll put the link in the show notes. And as we've mentioned before, that that tweet is always pinned at 444 underscore John if you want to check out all the details to the promo there uh, as well. So for John Paulson, I'm Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next week on 444.com. It's the most accurate podcast. Fizz of the ginger. She won't say yes. Oh, but I can't say no Thank God for the radio